It's good to have everybody here tonight. Yeah. You brave the snow and the blow. And there's power for those who do that. Let's start with you. For you who fear my name. For you who fear my name. The sun of righteousness will rise. The healing in his wings. With healing in his wings. For you who fear my name. The sun of Yeah. 
sing uh, Linda Samuel's song, um, Through the Test, next. And I was thinking about her this afternoon. I don't, there's, I've been singing this song, and I, it came to me that the, the uh, divine inspiration that it took to write the song is a whole lot different than the power it took to walk through this test that they've been through. But it's the same power that was available when she wrote it however many years ago at Edgerton that's still available today to them and to all of us. And so I, in light of all of the tests that we're in, let's sing this together and be thankful that we have a faithful creator that holds us through the tests and the trials that we go through. This is on uh, page 49 of the songbook. Many valleys ahead to walk through. Many mountains and hills to be climbed. In the darkness I cry for the help of the Most High. I need thy strength, I need thy light to see me through.
You're worthy of it all. You're worthy of it all. You're worthy of it all. For from you are all things, and to you are all things. You deserve the glory. Of it all. 
search me, O God, and let thy light so shine on me, well, that I might see in me those things displeasing thee. Leave me not, I pray. disciples, he said, the reason that I'm the light of the world is because I know from whence I came and whither I go. And that light, it says, is designed to be what illumines every man that comes into the world. That there is a way and there is a path to become by I know that's probably not great English. And we know this is about becoming. And the implication of becoming is I'm going to end up something different than I used to be. Amen. You're talking about me or you? I really don't want to stay here. I'm so thankful for the mercy of God that has brought me to where I am. I mean, it's hard to believe this is the product of mercy, but. <laughs> this is by faith, you know. But God is so rich in that mercy. The inexhaustibleness of his mercy. And Dan said last night that you don't learn obedience by disobeying. 
but you can learn the value of disobeying. And then maybe you might consider repenting. In Ephesians, the third chapter, just want to read a verse and then leave that kind of as a prevailing subtext. the 17th verse, really almost the first phrase of such, says that Christ might dwell in your hearts by faith. I've seen so much in our own midst and in other streams of the Spirit that I have connection to, and even the history that we have together, where people that begin to want more definability And it brings a discontentment with where they are and what God has brought them to. And Christ begins to not dwell in their hearts by faith. They want tangibility, they want evidence, they want... It can be non-physical, tangible, you know, it can be understanding, knowing, emotional comfort. To actually cast ourselves into the hands of a living God. You know, it says it's a fearful thing to fall, but you're probably not going to fall if you get a death grip on the trapeze bar. You have to let go to fall. Jesus said, lest the corn of wheat fall on the ground and die. It's not just that gravity takes its effect. It's it, the, the, even the sentiment of the Greek word is there, it, it lightens upon. It's, it's a co-laborship. In the natural, the seed doesn't have any choice. If you let go, it drops. But in the spirit, which that's only a type and shadow of, there has to be a complicity in order to go into the place of God's purpose for your life. And if you look at the layering of the food groups, just represented in scriptures from the apostles and you get a graduation from pre-digested food called milk and you begin to be responsible to receive and digest and process nutrition yourself so you get to solid food and then there's strong meat But what we face is another shift to beyond strong meat. This is hidden manna. This is something that isn't going to be brought to you. This isn't something that you're going to hear right. you know, in a service. 
This is something you've got to seek. And then your heart gets sifted because Christ has got to dwell in your heart by faith. And so there's this constant extension. You know, faith is what gives us an encounter with what's just beyond our reach. It's the substance of things that is yet hoped for that you don't have. It's a connectivity to the promises and the covenant of God. And I began to consider some of these things and I questioned whether I was becoming discontented. It says if you judge yourself, you don't need to be judged. Based on people's opinions, I'm not judging myself, but you know, you still gotta go through the process. I think I'm content. I don't think I'm looking for another. But boy, am I not satisfied. I don't think I'm in a place where I'm vulnerable to something other. Um, I've seen people get to the point where they're discontented and they want more definition and they'll see something, you know, if you, if you want more definition, something will cross your experience. Because there's such a scope out there. And you can't say it's not of God. I mean, there's, there's just a lot of things. I don't know about you, but you know, we come through what we come through by God dealing in our lives and Some people spend, using this as an example, I suppose, and I don't know if it's a good one, but it's a way to bring some level of communication. Some people might spend 15 years in the outer court before they move into the holy place. Some people might spend 30 years in the holy place before they realize it's a passageway and not a destination. So, you know, it seemed like I just didn't spend a lot of time anywhere until I got here. <laughs> yeah, wherever and whatever here is. But there's a shift that I feel like has taken place. It's been long awaited. I feel like I'm uh, an Israelite that's been making bricks. And it says, and Israel's cry reached to God. You know, I, I, I'm, I'm feeling that is just a, a drawing down on for what I don't know, what I don't have, what I can't define. And we, we can go to generalities, we can go to platitudes, we can go to scriptural definitions. I would agree with Brother, is it Simmons? Yeah. I, I don't know if it's the next thing on God's calendar, he hasn't shown me that, but I know it's yet in front of us. It's a prophecy that is yet to be fulfilled. It's still out there. 
And as I've looked at this and, and kind of, I don't know, reminisce is the right word, but you, you know, you see that the scribe of heaven takes out of what is old and what is new to bring forth definition. And as I've looked back on my own experience, I've realized that there are things that have been, and I don't know if they've been completely filled up, but they've certainly been experienced to a measure such as what's, I think, in Romans 8 chapter, where it says, those he foreknew, he predestinated. And those that he predestinated, he called. And those he called, he justified. And those he justified, he glorified. And I haven't finished that cycle yet. And I'm extremely aware of that. And I get supporting testimony coming to me, even though you don't ask for it at times, you know, and it's good. You know, there is, you can't just be accountable to the plaudits. You've got to be accountable to the hard things, too. You know, David was going up to return to Jerusalem, and he had Abner, and what was his other general's name? Joab and Abner with them, you know, and they had already told them, look, when we go to the battlefield, you're not going out there anymore. We can't allow this, the light of Israel to be extinguished because they saw him almost lose his life to a giant. The son of Anak. And they said, that's it. You're, you're one of our best warriors, but you are not going on the battlefield anymore. Shimei starts running a parallel course to the way they were going back to Jerusalem. He's throwing rocks and imprecations. That means he was cursing him. And I don't know if it was Joab or Abner, but they went over to David and said, you know, we can solve this pretty quick. And he said, don't. Don't. Peradventure the Lord you know to come to a place where being accused even if it's falsely you don't go to that defense mechanism or the counterattack, and you just say prevention of the Lord you know it isn't always what you're aware of that he's dealing with he might get your attention with something but it doesn't mean that's the problem he had Paul's attention, whatever that thorn was, and he prayed three times. And the Lord said, you know, I'm leaving that for your benefit. Could I take it? Yes, I could take it. I didn't put it there to take it. I put it there to leave it. And if you can't learn to set that aside and continue so that Christ dwells in your heart by faith in spite of what you see and what you aren't and what you are. How do we pull out of what has never been seen a manifestation that is the solution to creation's dilemma? We're not going to understand that before. When Jesus was laboring in the Garden of Gethsemane, he wasn't you know, if you just do this one last thing, I think I'd be okay. And he didn't specify what it was. 
He just said, I know me, and I know you're greater than I am, and I have to be under, because we're not the same. And the anchor of my going into this death with you, in order that I'm guaranteed to be raised. And you, you have to be joined to God before you go in, if you're going to get raised. So to finish the quote, it says, lest the corner we fall on the ground and die, it abides alone. I don't want to go in the grave by myself. There's no resurrection in that. Christ has to dwell in our hearts by faith so that when we go in, we're going in as more than just me. So Jesus, three times. Right, you know, if all the people that prayed on the planet so far, he's probably the best one out, you think? The prayer of a righteous man avails much? Three times. And it wasn't because finally he said, okay, now my will is the same. You know, this scripture, you just sometimes thinking about it, things dawn. I was thinking the other day about the scripture that says, if a man's way please the Lord, his enemies will be, and I, and I just had to stop right there. Just because your ways please the Lord doesn't mean you're not going to have enemies. Jesus said they hated me. They're going to hate you. But there'll be a peace, you know. When you think about Israel going out of the wilderness and into the promised land, and they were promised peace in the land. And they had some outrageously aggressive leaders Caleb not being the least of. But it wasn't until David that it was actually fulfilled that they had peace in the promised land. Yeah. Are we in Christ? Yes. If you're born again, yes. you're in Christ. Yes. And you're a new creature. And I was thinking about that, learning to live as a new creature. Boy, that's, that's a challenge. Learning that Christ dwells in your heart. The anointing for growth and change resides in us. You know, it says that the anointing is in you, abideth in you. This isn't an anointing on us. This isn't the holy place anymore. It's been pointed out, and it's in print. And there's types and shadows that testify to it, including Samson, but... When Jesus was rebuked for allowing a very expensive ointment to be wasted, he said, this is not a waste. 
wherever the gospel is preached, this is going to be testified to her notability because she's anointed me for my burial. And that's really the point. The shift to go from an anointing that we embrace and we learn faith through, but it can make us think that we're more than what we really are. It can make us think that we should live, that when Peter says, oh no Lord, we go, yeah, yeah, that makes sense, I'm going to say Instead, that I have something that is yet to be accomplished. And I'm being aggressively focused until that is fulfilled. And Christ dwells by faith because we don't yet have the full expression of the purpose for which we're born again. And learning to live as a new creature is a it's a discipleship process. I liked what was said last night about the introduction of some of the concepts by the author of Hebrews, Paul or otherwise, inspired by the Holy Spirit. And what was introduced is what it's not. You know, it's sort of like when Paul got asked, okay, so what is this thing Christ you're talking about? We seem to talk about Christ more than Jesus. And he said, well, um, it's not male or female. It's not bond or free. It's not Jew or Greek. It's not... Okay, wait a second. We didn't ask you for a list of what it's not. We asked you for what it is. Well, it's a new creature, and it's not defined by natural terms. And it's not accomplished by our strength. It takes root and grows down before it can bear fruit up. And there's no ascension without the effectiveness of very real practical descent because this is formed in the depths of the earth by the hand of God himself. And so being a new creature is such a challenge to faith. To stay in the harness is things that come along that want to blow you out. Failure. Limitation. Success. They're all there to test, you know. Peter said, though you be for a season in manifold temptations. He's not talking about that extra piece of chocolate cake. He's talking about you are consistently being tried and proven. Where's your heart? Are you willing to seek judgment? Or do you want comfort where you are? Are you content enough to face the judgment of God? Or do you want to be coddled? Do you want to partake of what you know or are you willing to seek what is not 
readily available. Mm -hmm. The hidden man. One of the things that we're told about the priesthood that supersedes the Aaronic priesthood is that it's made by the power of an endless life. And it's contrasted with the power of a carnal commandment. And it wasn't just because it was a law etched in stone, it's because it was rooted in the positioning and the power of the earth rather than in the authority of God himself. It is God only that has life. And I know it says in John 12 that he has given life unto his son, that his son can have life in himself. But the life that the son has in himself is because of his subjection to the only wise God. There's a story that has been more meaningful to me recently because of some things that I feel like the Lord has been challenging me by. And it's the story of Lazarus. And we know the story. We know that Jesus frequented Bethany because there were those there that loved him and that he loved. And the word came out that Lazarus is really sick this time. And Jesus later proved that he delayed on purpose. And when he got there, the report was if you had been here, he wouldn't have had to die. Because they had a confidence in his authority over what was temporal. But death took things out of a temporal realm and they tossed it over into an eternal realm. And he got to the point where he said to them, I am the resurrection. He that believeth in me, Though he were dead, yet shall he live. Yeah. And if you're born again, you've checked that box. You who are dead in trespasses and sins, hath he quickened. If you're born again, you're no longer needing to be brought to life. You're in Christ, and to me, Christ is life. But Jesus didn't stop there. He said, and if any man live and believe in me, he shall never die. See, that's, that's the part that we're engaged with. challenge to sell out to what you don't know. To what you can't control. 
if you fall into the hands of the living God, it's a fearful thing. But to decide to cast yourself in so that you fall into the hands of a living God, that, that takes seasoning. It takes reaching out into what isn't our experience and drawing down upon a confidence that God has got this intention and I, I wasn't born again just to be born again. One of the things that's become evident to me from my own experience and in talking with many of the saints is that in John, the epistle of John, the third chapter, the seventh verse, where it says, now are we the sons of God. Boy, we need to get that established. Because that's what it takes to live as a new creation. I had a good friend of mine I hadn't seen in 30 years, and you say, well, you couldn't have been that good a friend. <laughs> and I said, so how you doing? He said, well, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. I said, well, I don't want to hear that again. You might have been, but not now. You're a saint. You're a son. Quit Molly calling around, you know. Dirt claw kicking isn't part of the kingdom. But here's the tag of this. And it says, even though it does not yet appear what we shall be. And I recognize that when Jesus spoke to Nicodemus, he said two things in one sentence. He said, if you're not born again, you can neither see nor enter into the kingdom of God. And I began to consider, you're not going to enter into something before you see it. But what's the evidence of entering in as opposed to just seeing? And I realized it's the evidence of coming subject to that kingdom. That the laws of a different kingdom are beginning to function in your life and bear a testimony and an evidence that you're in. You can go to a foreign country and be unaware of the laws of that country, and it can be harsh. And I think that most Christians living below their entitlement are new creatures, not only not resolved to what that impact means for them, but also haven't entered into the kingdom of God in a way that they've become subject to the authority of that kingdom. Yeah. This is analogous to what it says when it says, and to the son he says, sit thou at my right hand until I put your enemies under your feet. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is a different vindication. This is a different victory. So I'm gonna look just quickly, and we got, you know, we came into tonight with two services and three ministries, so I'm gonna clear up pretty quick. In 1 Corinthians 15, there's this chapter 
It is such a majestic testimony to what resurrection really is. The 36th verse. All right, 35. It is Paul. But some man will say, How are the dead raised up? And with what body did they come? That which thou sowest is not quickened, except it die. Yes. And that which thou sowest, thou sowest not that body that shall be. I'm really excited about that part of the verse. That if I live as a new creature, and if I stay under the authority of my Father, and he goes with me into the earth, that what will come out of that will be not what went in. <laughs> so how many times a day can I do that? <laughs> and if we're serious about not staying where we are, here's the means. Jesus said, I'm the light of the world because I know where I came from and I know where I'm going and I know how I got there. Take up your cross and follow me. And if you don't want to abide alone, which means you stay in the grave, you better find somebody to go with. And it's not going to be your friend. It's not going to be your church. It's not going to be a service. It's not going to be the book. It's not going to be what you know. It's who are you subject to. Because the best I can read, there was only one thing that brought Jesus out of the grave. And it was the power and the glory of God himself. Yeah. 